Welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with your host, Dr. Veerja Jackson. On our program, we explore the flip side of every story. And when you open yourself up to both sides, you'll realize that there are life lessons, powerful tools, and so much more. Now, here is Dr. Veerja Jackson. Hello, 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 and welcome to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. I am Dr. Virdra Jackson, the CEO and creative behind Living Strong Consulting. And I welcome you into our continued journey. We have dedicated the entire season eight to conversations around healing, health, and wellness. And we're continuing to talk about, we have talked about connecting back with the earth and recognizing who is your farmer, who or where are you getting your actual produce from, to movement, movement is medicine, to healthy relationships and connecting with yourself and others, and yoga and stretching. Dr. Tori was with us. And now we are talking about stress. Now, if you are anything like me, (laughs) I have been waiting all week to talk about what's a stress cleanse. I'm excited to share our guest with you this evening. So let me tell you a little bit about her. Dr. Priyanka Naik, Naik, is a board certified internal medicine physician and ICF certified life coach. And with the pandemic, being a mom, a wife, and juggling just life, much like many of us as humans, she found herself overwhelmed. Through meditation, studying happiness, lessons in self-development, training as a coach, and learning implementable skills, Dr. Priyanka clawed her way out of a pit of overwhelmed and learned not only to get out, how to get out of burnout and chronic stress and anxiety, but how to have peace of mind and joy, no matter what the circumstances. She has coached countless high-achieving moms to end their experience with burnout and lead balanced, fulfilling lives. She has been featured in The Bum, on The Rachel Ray Show, and several other media outlets. When she struggled with chronic stress and burnout, she had wished someone had shown her a streamlined process to save her from sacrifice and wasted time. And she's here with us during our continued episode of Healing Health and Wellness to share with us how to obtain a stress cleanse. Welcome to the show, Dr. Priyanka. Priyanka. Thank you so much for having me. And thanks for that beautiful story and intro. I'm so excited to be here to talk about these very important topics as we know. As we know, I don't think there is a single experience recently. uh, And and when I say recently, I want to want to to frame that in at least the last year where in coaching uh, with schools, with administrators, with um, other moms, we have a girlfriend gathering where the word stress has not come up. And I know your specific audience 
are high achieving moms. Um, and I'm curious as we hear women um, who are thinking during this season, I've checked all of the boxes, I have pursued success, but for some reason, I'm still mentally and physically drained and actually dreading the next day. How are you helping clients see their life differently? Oh my gosh, such a huge question. Um, so, I know, I jumped in right into it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, you know, inside my program, I have like a five method process, but really it all starts with your vision and living a life in alignment with who you want to be, what you want your life to be like. Because I think though that sounds like, oh yeah, that makes sense. A lot of people are just kind of blindly living their lives. They go about day to day. They're in the daily grind. They lose sight and track of that longer term, larger vision and end up giving their time, energy, brain space away to like the smaller things that really actually don't matter in the trajectory of our lives. So being aware of that. Yes. Is the you first know what? Step. I feel like the that you were eavesdropping on two specific conversations that I had today. <laughs> One was a high-powered mom and grandmom who is doing amazing things and a creative who also is doing amazing things and growing her business as a mom as well. But both of them, I feel like, are allowing minor things to distract them from actually staying on course to what or who they desire to be. Um, So that really resonates with, as I think about this whole word around stress, and, and I am curious, how are you defining a stress cleanse? So Stress Cleanse MD was the name I came up with originally when I started out on this journey because I actually started with very strictly time and stress and time management because I thought that that was like the managing that was like the secret way, you know, to the good life. And, but I realized um, it's a lot deeper than that. And as I really continued to do this work, I, it was a process, like a very distinct process where you heal yourself from the inside out. And of course, cleansing the stress and managing the time and all those things are a part of it. But the work is much deeper than that, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. And how does that connect as an MD and as a certified life coach? How, where do you see the intersection of, of both work and how it's relevant in our lives as women? So much of our journey as we, especially people who want to help themselves to feel mentally more healthy and have a better life, a huge part of that is healing. And of course, in medicine, physical medicine, we heal body parts, organs. We have all kinds of you know medicines and tricks up our sleeve to deal with that. The coaching portion is where you really learn to recognize your patterns and look at like where, what got you here may not get you to the next step and really healing some of those old wounds, bringing them to the present and 
empowering yourself with that knowledge as you, you know, progress in trying to be better or move forward because it's so much, right? Like without healing, healing some of our older wounds, we can't move forward. You, I feel are an innovative soul in this space because there are, there's, I can't think of a lot of times where I've had a physician who could speak to the impact of stress on the body, as well as recognizing how stress shows up in our mental cycles, our behavior patterns, and, and you're a combination uh, of both in, in one. And, and would you say, have you actually seen a connection between those wounds that have not been healed that might be relational or um, social or just past hurts or patterns actually show up in a physical way as well? Oh, absolutely. Especially I think as it relates to any trauma, big, small, whatever it is, that is in your body. And a lot of times many people shut down old memories just as a coping mechanism. So you may not even remember, but you may have a trigger of some kind and then you literally feel it in your body and Actually, and that's why a big part of my practice in general is the mindfulness portion and and that because that gets you into your body and you can tune in to see what's going on. So let's say you feel stressed or anxious, you might feel like a flip in your stomach or like for me, it's often a squeezing in my throat and I've noticed that might happen. And then I ask myself, wait, why is this happening right now? And then I can kind of relate it to a past trauma, which is really fascinating but it lives there in our bodies, you know? But that question I find is something that oftentimes people won't ask. When they feel it, they'll push past it as opposed to pausing and saying, "What, what is that and why am I even feeling that? Could you define, we have had people reference mindfulness. Could you kind of give us a context of, of how you're defining mindfulness and its role. Yeah. So mindfulness has a couple, one of two major benefits. One is just being able to be present in the moment because it takes us out of whatever narrative our brain is spinning and brings us into the breath or the body. Another way that we can use it is if we practice mindfulness, we get out of our heads and we can focus on either there is a body. So just noticing that you're sitting on the chair and your feet on the floor, which you never notice ever. We take our bodies for granted. We don't notice anything they do. We don't notice that they walk or anything else. Right. So just literally getting into your body by saying there is a body and focusing on your breath. So you can just notice the rising and falling, let's say of your breath or counting the breaths is a very concrete thing. I do that all the time, count to 10. And then that also gets you out of your head. And as you do that, you become an observer of your thoughts and your feelings. And by becoming an observer, you're no longer married to them in the sense that you get distance from them. And then you're not, they're not so like, you're not overpowered by your feelings. You're not one with your feelings. You can actually observe. And that's how you take away like the power of them, especially in like an anxious or negative stress situation. And I even have a, I have a method of my own that I call the three M method, which is notice, neutralize, and new where you notice 
the thought or feeling. That's the first step. It's always awareness is the first step in this work, noticing. You neutralize it by doing what I'm talking about, getting distance from it, practicing the mindfulness. And then the third step is new, where you would replace it with a new thought or new feeling, but that's a more advanced step. So it's really focusing on the notice. And then you try and practice the mindfulness for the neutralization to kind of take away the, it's almost like you take a wand and take away the charge. Yes. The the element that I I have found in in our lives that we are constantly at running at such a pace just as you said we don't honor the fact that our cha- we are sitting in a chair that our feet are grounded we don't pay attention to how much stress we're carrying until it is hurting <laughs> and then we want to say what's wrong and fear And the pursuit or the hustle or the grind, I think, keeps us in a place of not paying attention. And there's this whole elusive conversation of work-life balance. I'd love to hear your take on it. How how do you define it? And what are your thoughts about that pursuit of work-life balance? So at the end of the day, we can't give 100% to work and 100% at home. The math doesn't add up on that. (laughs) So you really have to have your priorities straight and that is, and your values. And if you can figure out what those are, then you can make decisions and line up your actions with in alignment with those things, as opposed to wasting time, energy, and brain state brain space on nonsense that doesn't matter because that's how we actually end up exhausting ourselves and burning ourselves out. It's not so much you know, the work and the home, it's where we waste our energy on things that are inconsequential, insignificant, like decisions that we can make in a second, which we should, we're taking, you know, days, stuff like that. Yes. Could you give us three practical steps or principles of around reclaiming time back? So one way is, really conserving your energy. And I, and by this, I mean, I had, I had, so I had a landlord who um, I would have to fight about repairs with, and it was really annoying. And I realized it was draining for me to stand up for what was right. Cause a lot of times, especially in these kinds of matters, it's not really that important standing up for what's right, whether they're doing the right or wrong thing. So I decided I was just going to pay for the repairs that they should pay for myself to rid myself of the energy time, all of it spent. So oftentimes you can just buy back time or energy with like a simple, quick decision, right? So that's one way. Um, And and that really is also employing the idea of standing guard to the door of the mind and standing guard to what we do, meaning not taking on extra projects, extra things, saying yes to everything, the power of no, and really saying no to things that do not align with our values, that aren't really taking us to where we want to go, wasting time. So the concept of no is a huge time buyer backer, if you will. Like that's not really a word, but you know what I'm saying? That's, you say no. (laughs) But that image, I don't want, I don't want you to lose um, number two and three, but that image you just gave of standing guard of the door of your mind just went to my soul. Cause I, how, how often are we letting in thoughts or and, and I love the concept of really managing your energy as well as 
locking in thoughts that need to be released. It's literally that image of standing guard at the door of your mind. That by itself is a book. Dr. Priyanka, I'll wait for it. Well, well, that's (laughs) a quote. Okay, but but I have to give credit where credit's due. That's a quote by Jim Rohn, but it is a quote to really remember and embody because it keeps us tight with, it's like, you have to have a sieve for what you're allowing into your brain, what you're letting your brain go off on tangents. And we actually, we do get to decide how we want to deal with that. Now, maybe not the initial feeling or sometimes we just have kind of a visceral reaction to things that happens, but we get to kind of remediate what we're going to do from there. So really being picky. I call it, I tell my clients, be really picky with how you're spending your time, who you're spending it with, what projects you're taking on. That alone will buy you back hours and hours a week. I kid you not. Yes. So now two and three. Okay. So that was sort of one and two, but I'm going to get to my third. Um, One way to get back time. Well, this is more adding this is adding things you want to do. So what you do is if there's a hobby or something you want in your life, like working out, getting back to guitar lessons, there's so many things that people want to do and they just don't do them. The best way to go about this is starting with about 10 minutes, let's say a few days a week. And then somehow magically that 10 minutes always turns into an hour. And next thing you know, you you're thinking to yourself, Oh, I have five extra hours every week. I didn't even know I had. So just kind of fitting things in, in small bits of time, when you really believe you don't have time can be really transformative and kind of poof, magically creating time. And I actually got this from Laura Vanderkamp has, has a book. She, she does time expert stuff, but on what successful people do before breakfast and had a story about somebody's water heater breaking. And it took seven hours of being home and how magically poof, they had seven hours that they fit in while getting everything else done. How does that happen? That happens to all of us, right? So just kind of having the idea that time really flexes more than we think. Mm. The You mentioned as well, uh, I just worked with a leadership team and we talked about time management versus energy management and recognizing that there's a finite uh, amount of time and and Craig Rochelle talks about this in his leadership podcast that there's a finite amount of time we all only have 24 hours so time is finite but energy is renewable and when we are recognizing that how we use our time yes is strategic but when you talked about the arguing with the landlord, how are you letting things deplete your energy, which then works against you on time? That concept of renewable energy and and actually beginning to focus on how are you renewing or even stacking your day so that you acknowledge the things that bring you joy, bring you life, bring you energy, as opposed to constantly focusing on the things that are draining. Have you seen that as a pattern in in your clients? Yes. So we, as human beings, we're wired to scan the environment for threats. Now, Now that we're not scavenging in the woods for food, we now focus on the negative. Because so that's an inherent thing that happens in all of us. 
it's just a survival mechanism, but it's not helpful anymore because we really don't need that degree of scrutiny and scrutinizing what's not working. And it makes us, it's a happiness and energy depleter. So I most certainly see that one way to really combat this is a consistent gratitude practice because it just helps you literally shift to those rose colored glasses and you fake it till you make it do it long enough. And you really will start seeing things like, Oh, wow, this is working. Like, this is great. And even on your worst days, practicing some gratitude can get you out of that, you know, grumpy mode. Yes. I just had, I I think, have you been bugging my phone calls (laughs) leading up to this? I just had another conversation with a mentee where his desire was to feel like it. And then he was, he was hoping when he felt like it, he would do it. And, and we talked about that. Actually, the emotion follows the action. Do it even when you don't feel like it and your emotion will change and start to match your energy and your action and your decision. But I I feel like we oftentimes get stuck in waiting until we feel like it before we make the change or make the shift or the pivot or move forward. When it comes to high-functioning, high-achieving moms who are juggling and trying to do the best that they can. How do you coach or walk through that that mental component of, I I don't feel like it, but they want something different? What are some coaching tips or strategies you're using with those clients? So, most of them are pretty busy getting shit done. I usually have to tell them to dial it back and just, you need to just give yourself some grace and compassion. You can relax and rest sometimes. Like the to-do list is always going to be there and getting longer by the minute. So, you know, um, but for the, for things where people have goals of things that they don't want to do, like exercise, or that's a big one, people know it's good for them, but it's kind of a pain. I will tell, well, first of all, we know there's never a good time to do any of these things. So you just have to do it. So you have to, there's Mel Robbins has like a I think it's a count back. It's like one, two, three, and then you take action. So you can employ that, like just to yes. get yourself going. Mm-hmm. Another tip that you, or hack you can use is to really embody that identity. So thinking, I'm a healthy person. I'm a person who works out regularly. Like that's who I am. Fake it till you make it on that mindset. But pretending, like embodying that persona as opposed to, I need to exercise to lose five pounds or like that doesn't work. So doing that and also the things that are overwhelming, really just taking them in small chunks of time, let's say once a week, you could spend an hour doing annoying, like mundane tasks or thing, or even just like 10 minutes to get something done or hacks. Like if it takes less than two minutes, just do it right now. These kinds of techniques to mm. just get things done when you don't feel like it. James Clear um, has the, that concept um, and... Uh, in his book, Atomic Habits, which I love that concept of it's not just the goal, but it is who are you in moving forward towards that goal? And so how I might not feel like I'm a runner, but if I begin to call myself, I'm a runner in training and coupling that with 
going to the gym for just five minutes, walk on the treadmill for five minutes, going back to your earlier thought, you do that consistently. Next thing you know, five minutes isn't enough. You're there for 10, you're there for half an hour. But it's that who goal, not just the do goal conversation that begins to, to make the shift. Going back to your very first point, in what, how are you thinking about yourself? Like, who do you want to be? And aligning that with, um, with your goals and action. Wow. I think about, um, what would you say? And, and you mentioned women giving themselves grace, but before we take this next, our first break, what would you say is the is the number one thing that you're you're hearing repeatedly that women are either mis misusing, misunderstanding, or believing a lie about in this journey of finding purpose and moving forward and growing? What mistake have you seen women are are making over and over again? I think that a lack of belief in oneself and also I am not enough. That is just, it's, it's so perfect. I get chills thinking about it, but it's so pervasive and it's so sad. Oh, I am not enough. The, I, I cannot tell you how often I actually just finished um, Michelle Obama's book um, and her podcast and in one of the chapters, she talks about how um, even she has imposter syndrome. And when I heard, I said, Michelle Obama, how in the world can you still have imposter syndrome at this point? But I think it's it's like tied into that that desire, especially in our culture. Am I accepted? Do I belong? Am I approved of? And when we come back from our first break, I'd love for you to kind of dive into a conversation around relationship, relationship with self. And that relationship, we may begin to pick toxic relationships because we haven't dealt with self yet. I see the, <laughs> yeah, for our radio nice. listeners, if you could see Dr. Priyanka close her eyes, she, she's like, yes, <laughs> yes, we will repeat a pattern. Uh, we will repeat a hurt that we continue to, to repeat over and over again and put it into relationships. So stay connected with us because we're going to dive into relationships first with yourself. And then how is that? flowing into the the people you are picking to have relationships with. So as we get ready for this break, I encourage you to check out our resources, um, our work, both our in-person trainings as well as our on-demand training options. If you haven't checked out our website yet, it is livingstrongllc.com. And for those of you who follow me on social media, join me in Tampa, June 23rd through the 25th. I'm turning 54, y'all, and we are having a Rebranding You Women's Summit in Tampa. Come celebrate my birthday with me, and let's talk about 
who you desire to be and let go of the lives that have kept you hostage and rebrand you and recognize there is more for you to do. So livingstrongllc.com, all the info is there. We'll be right back. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. What if the most special part about you was not how you fit in, but how you stood out in a world that has never seen your kind of beauty? What if you could walk confidently in your God-given beauty, identity, and purpose? My name is Sandra Coates, and I am the founder and visionary of a movement called United and True. We want every woman to know that she is being transformed, she has been redeemed, and she is unique. I'm also an author of a newly released book called None Like Her. It is about awakening the beauty and the value that is within every woman. You see, it's time that we rise up through the confusion and the chaos and the comparison and the shame to know that there is nothing more we need to do to access the beauty that is within us. Please visit sandracoats.com for more information. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com This is Living Strong, the flip side of adversity with Dr. Veerdra Jackson. To reach the live show today, call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to info at livingstrongllc.com. Now, back to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Welcome back to our conversation with Dr. Priyanka. She has been walking us through a conversation about stress and and actually not only just the word stress, but all of the arms that reach out from it that impact multiple facets of our lives, whether it's our mindset, whether it's our body, whether it is about how we navigate time, our energy. We've been having an amazing unpacking and cleansing our souls of stress that we don't need to carry. It's time to pay more attention to our bodies, get grounded in our body using specific strategies, but also just before we broke, talk about giving ourselves grace and recognize many of us are doing the best that we can and that you are actually enough in the middle of it. And so I asked Dr. Priyanka to to get ready for part two. And if we could talk about this concept of relationship with self and how that impacts the kinds of relationships we begin to connect and create with others. So Dr. Priyanka, how would you um, begin to kind of frame a conversation with a client 
and helping them begin to be honest about their relationship with themselves. Okay. So self, really your relationship with yourself. We know this. It's the most important one because you're born, you have yourself, you will like, that's who you have. So that being said, you have to love yourself, which comes really hard for a lot of women and my clients as well. Loving oneself feels really unnatural, which is interesting because when we're born, I've observed in my children, especially their little kids, they love themselves so much. My baby will look in the mirror and she is just loving her reflection as she should. And they're just so proud of themselves and happy for themselves. Like they dig themselves like really hard. And we could definitely learn a thing or two from children because something happens along the way. I don't know. The damage is done. People say things, whatever it is, maybe our relationships with our parents or other close relationships. And somehow we get so far from that place when we were young. And it's so, it's really tragic actually. And then we get to do the work to build that back. Yes. Yeah. Mm. What are some strategies that you have found to be impactful for someone? We've had um, past episodes uh, unpacking um, the wearing of the mask, the understanding how shame cloaks us. Um, Could you give maybe one or two strategies or principles for that mom or woman who's listening today and she's struggling looking in the mirror? So so that journey to self-love isn't such a quick, there's no quick fix for that. But Mm -hmm. as you approach yourself, especially if you're a mom, how would you, like, what would you tell your daughter? How would you approach your daughter? If your daughter looked at herself in the mirror like that and hated what she saw, what would you think about that? What would you say to her? And you literally take that and say it to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I was with a team in um, Georgia last week and we were talking about the um, neuroscience behind affirmations and recognizing that it's kind of this um, trendy concept, but there's actually a lot of brain science Uh, behind the power of our words. Um, For those of you who um, are uh, people of faith, recognizing how um, the power of our our tongue, um, there resides life and death in that. And when we talked about affirmations, I actually have had adults who struggle to affirm themselves because it wasn't done when they were children. And we literally talked about, then, you know what? Use the word you instead of I and talk to that little girl or that little boy that should have heard it then. And as you practice saying, you are strong, you are enough, you um, are created wonderfully, you are strong enough for this change. As you say you through practice, you can grow to that eye um, and, and begin to actually uh, address that or 
become reconciled to that whole concept of I'm not enough or, or that people will discover that I'm not enough and, and that hiding. Have you found um, moms or high-functioning women or clients that if they're honest, they're hiding? I think a lot of them hide behind the busyness of life because then there's no space, there's no time to reflect, to look inwards, and we can sit there and blame everything around us, the external circumstances. And that's just so much easier to do because it's really rough to have to turn the lens onto yourself inside. It's really scary. So not having enough time to do anything is the best way to just avoid that. Yes. Yes. We had a previous episode um, quite some months ago where we actually talked about um, how many times um, as mothers, as um, caregivers, uh, two, two elements can show up often. Um, the people-pleasing one where I, I have to do and I get into this cycle of people-pleasing and or the mom guilt that if I don't do, then I've, you know, I'm not being enough of a mother. How do you navigate both of those concepts, people-pleasing and mom guilt? Yeah, so people-pleasing is a major happiness suck because you're looking for external validation. It's the opposite of self-love and validating yourself. And we can't control what other people think of us really. I mean, you could be the best person in the world and still have people who don't like you. So we have zero control over that. So it's one of the worst things we can focus on. The antidote to that is really living that life in alignment with your values, who you want to be and learning to love yourself, giving yourself you know, that external or the internal validation. And like Mel Robbins has her high five habit where you high five in the mirror. You know, I, I, I'm not super into it, but I see the principle of looking yourself in the eye in the mirror, being able to actually look at you and say, Hey, you're, you know, you're kicking ass, you're crushing it. So Mm -hmm. that is one way to combat the people pleasing. And then what was the second part of the question? There was a second guilt. Ah, yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. So mom guilt is something that is always going to be there. We're never going to be perfect because we're human beings. We're going to make mistakes. So that is just a fact. And the sooner we can wrap our heads around that and accept that, the better that we don't strive for that perfectionism because it's not happening. And especially when you're, you have a career and you're a working mom that work or even having fun, being a person outside of being my, being a mom, it takes away from your children. So you're always going to feel guilty. Like I'm not home enough. I'm not there enough. I didn't drop them to this or I haven't, you know, it's never going to be enough. So knowing that it's always going to be there, I think is really critical in not giving into that horrible feeling. And then also to combat that really creating points of connection with your children on a daily basis, multiple times a day. And that actually doesn't really take that long, but it's meaningful. So that's the easiest, best way to do it. Cause you're not having these lofty goals where you're like a client of mine said, Oh, I'm taking my daughter to dinner because 
you know, I'm doing this. I said, no, you just, you connect with her. You, you say, hello, you say goodbye. You you're at bedtime. You have a little special time with her. That's all you need. You don't have to take out hours and hours to connect and make an impact with them. It's that consistency and routine and, and establishing that as literally how they think about their relationship with you. And it doesn't always have to be the important party or the event. It's the, the memory of how, how were we together? Um, and we had um, Dr. Shonda McManus, um, similar to you in the pandemic, re- realized, you know what, I'm, I am stressed out. And in that, she actually turned to um, painting and writing. Now she is a physician and a mother of five. Hmm. And so, yes, I know I said the same thing, but she actually shared that when she began to dedicate some time to her own wellness, it made her a better mom and a better physician and finding that creative place for her to find her groove. um, She released the mom guilt because she began to see how she showed up differently in those critical times, in those touch point times, in those connection times. She just showed up as a healthier person when she gave her own self some, some, and she tapped into a creative space. As you've studied um, happiness and the concept of happiness, what what are some key principles that you have found um, for people to really begin to understand about happiness? Happiness is not a destination. If this happens, then I'll be happy. If this problem goes away, then I'll be happy. That So that myth needs to be debunked. So once you realize that you can cultivate joy and happiness actually in any given moment, even when you're going through a really hard time, you could still have points of joy throughout the day. And that could be as simple as savoring your morning cup of coffee, going outside, looking at how beautiful the sun looks, feeling the breeze on your face. I mean, these are all, these are pretty much things that are for free too. Like they don't cost anything. But you can notice, right, the beauty. You can, if you have your family, if you have children or a spouse, you know, there are moments of joy with them, laughing with them, turning on music, dancing in the kitchen. Like these are all things that we can do to literally cultivate joy right in that moment, no matter how bad of a day we might have or how much we have on our plate and all those things. So it's really at our discretion and our fingertips in any given moment. But that takes us back to how you started our conversation. If we get present to the moment and actually pay attention to the aroma of the coffee or or you walk past that rose bush on the way to your car every day and you haven't even actually seen them. Um, and the power of being able to regulate your system by just really getting present to the current moment as opposed to grinding to the next moment. So now I promised that we would talk about relationship with ourselves, but also how would you say a cycle of stress impacts our relationships with others? So when 
Well, when we don't love ourselves or we're not kind to ourselves, then not only are we probably not as kind to other people, but we also will get into relationships with people who will not treat us properly because we don't love ourselves. So getting treated in a non-loving fashion is very natural. Oh, so it goes back to how, how are you healing your own wounds and hurt places and recognizing that you are worthy of a healthy relationship with others as you become really clear of your worthiness for yourself. Oh, I love that image. What are some, if, if as we talk about um, your approach to coaching, as women have connected with you, how would you describe your co- the coaching experience that they have with with you as both a physician and a life coach with a, with a wealth of background um, in mindfulness and and understanding stress as well as happiness? What's their experience with you? So it's really I have a literally a five pillar process that I walk them through where they, you know, they create their vision and their, they line up their lives with that. I call that alignment. And then they learn mindfulness to be present and also get the distance from their thoughts and their feelings to decrease their suffering, hence stress, anxiety, all the negative stuff, but also making the most of the good stuff. So that mindfulness has such a beautiful duality with that. And then I have another module called self-empowerment in which they learn to love themselves, be kind to themselves, have compassion for themselves, trust themselves, because not trusting yourself is one of the most destabilizing feelings. You look for all the answers outside of yourself, and nobody's going to really know what you're going through or what you should do, even if it seems like they don't know better than you. They just don't. So Mm -hmm. that's also Mm -hmm. a core part of that process. And then I walk them through letting go. So we let go of people-pleasing perfectionism. And finally, then we learn boundaries and making really clean decisions where we're not spinning in confusion, but also creating boundaries to preserve our own physical and mental safety. Boundaries. That's a whole conversation (laughs) in and of itself. We've got a couple of minutes. I want to make sure we save enough minutes because I know that you have some promotional things that are going on. And I absolutely want to make sure that people know how to connect with you. Um, So I feel like there might be a synergy or connection between that word boundary that you just said. And we have a listener who said that I struggle. I can pour positivity into everyone else but myself. What is your response to that? I think the question there is why? Mm. Why is it so hard for you to do it to yourself? Yes. Yes. Start start there. Start there and, and be willing to be still and really reflective about, um, the, the answer and even the process of getting to the answer. Uh, we had a guest that talked about how sometimes we use the busyness of the stress and the overwhelm 
to keep us from sitting with the pain that we're fearing if I sit still to try and get an answer. Um, I, I think we can create that hamster wheel cycle of stress actually running from a healing process. When you, um, as a as a coach, what are some outcomes clients can uh, look forward to at, after they have partnered with you on this five pillar journey? What are some some outcomes or even some testimonials that you can think of? Yeah. So clients, they get what they want at work. They learn to speak up. They're having better connection relationships with their spouses. They're more present with their children. They have more confidence. They're making decisions left and right. They bounce back a lot faster from conflict or problems, like where something might've bothered, like a fight with their spouse may bother them for days, but now they're bouncing back using the techniques in minutes to hours and also getting hours and hours back each week pursuing hobbies and really finding that they can cultivate that inner peace and joy at any given moment. Oh, and how can people follow you as well as what's on the horizon? What, what are you up to? What, what are some projects you have in the works? Okay. So you can find me on Instagram at Dr. Priyanka, just spelled out D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-I-A-N-C-A. I have a website, stresscleansemd.com. I've got a masterclass, if you're curious, called Four Steps to Overcoming Burnout, Ending Overwhelm, and Getting Your Peace of Mind Back. That's on my website. And I have a coaching program, of course, with my five pillar process that I talked about, which can help professional moms to really be rid of burnout in 90 days or less. And that's called overcome burnout for good. And that is program.stresscleansemd.com slash work with me, but it's all on my website, the stresscleansemd.com. So any and all of those things and my podcast, I forgot about that. Yes. Yes. And I have a podcast called empowering working moms. You can listen to that on Apple podcasts. Um, Spotify, I think Amazon, wherever you listen to your podcast, that's available. And yeah, stresscleansemd.com is my website. Wonderful. Wow. We have had uh, a very full conversation and I always ask our guests to kind of center themselves um, because this is an international platform. And so um, women and men from all over the world uh, listen and come across our shows. And I'll, I do think of divine moments and someone is listening and they're feeling burned out. They're feeling like, you know what, I'm just too tired um, and this isn't worth it. If you think about that person who's listening to our conversation, what closing message would you give her um, to, to, to move forward with? That there is a better life for you, even if that really feels impossible right now. And even if it feels like you've tried all these things, that overcoming the exhaustion and the fatigue and actually finding happiness and the peace that we all crave so much, it definitely can happen for you no matter what is going yeah. on. I promise that. Yeah, that it's possible. It's possible. Um, 
I think I, I talk when I talk with uh, clients, we'll have a conversation and they'll say, and uh, Tony, Tony Robbins talks about this, where people will say, um, I've tried everything. And when you actually ask them, they've tried a few things and they weren't the right thing. So they're giving up on the thing when actually you need to do the, the thing that works for you consistently. And that's where your breakthrough begins to reside. Um, so just as Dr. Priyanka has shared, happiness is possible. Joy, regardless of your circumstance, is possible. And we have an opportunity to walk in purpose. And I encourage you, as we get ready to close out, can you just um, slowly spell for our listeners your IG um, account again, and then restate your website? Okay, perfect. So Instagram is at Dr. Priyanka. D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-I-A-N-C-A. And then my website is stresscleansemd.com, which is S-T-R-E-S-S-C-L-E-A-N-S-E-M, as in mom, D.com. Fantastic. Dr. Priyanka, thank you so much for um, sharing, for your expertise, for reminding us to get present, paying attention to our body and the life that is around us so that we can actually live it and not just rush through it. So we're continuing this journey, everybody. And guess what? Two years of Living Strong, The Flip Side of Adversity. We are marking our two-year anniversary next Thursday. And the way I started is the way we are bringing two years in. My girlfriends are going to be around the table with me next week. We are having a coffee conversation called Release It. The stuff you're holding in, the stuff you're holding on to, and the stuff you're reaching back in your past that you actually need to let go of. We're going to talk about all of it. So Cheryl Hurley, Esther Moore, Courtney Jackson, and my lovely newest assistant, um, <laughs> Karina Bruno, is going to be at the table for an intergenerational conversation around how we release it. We'll see you right here, same place, same time, next week. Thank you for tuning in to Living Strong, the flip side of adversity. Please join your host, Dr. Veerdra Jackson, for another edition of our show next Thursday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a great week.